the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in. Rob Black here. Talking about getting you to retirement. That's the goal. Wealth accumulation. So that later in life, you can start thinking about wealth management. I do some shows on occasion called Money 101 or, yeah, Money 101. It's probably the easiest way of saying it. I always say if you ever have questions, don't be shy. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. But let's do a Money 101 today on the 20 things that you need to know. These are the basics. These are not advanced trading. This is not the algorithm part of the show. These are the 20 basic things that I will teach my kids absolutely positively, or I will give them this list before I die. Number one is setting priorities. This is the hardest one, I think. You're in your 20s. Maybe you're, you're really lazy and you didn't start until your 30s. Maybe you were really, I don't know, lost in life. You didn't start in your 40s, but you got to set priorities. You got to step in. You have to almost get a pencil out with paper and write down your priorities so you can decide what goals to pursue. You want to get married and take care of your spouse or take care of each other? That's a financial commitment. Do you want to have kids? That's a financial commitment. Do you want to pay for their college? That's a financial commitment. Do you want to live in a house or an apartment? Both financial commitments. And how are you going to fund your retirement? It's not going to be Social Security. My Social Security is ultimately slated to be about $48,000 a year. Now, between now and the time that I get there, it'll probably creep up with cost of living. That's a lot of money. And I'm thrilled. Well, no, no, wait, wait. Mine's? No, I should correct that. It's supposed to be between $24,000 and $48,000 a year, depending on if I take it at 62 or if I take it at 70. 24, I can't live off. 48, I can't live off. Not with my current budget and lifestyle, no. Not living in California, no. So it's important to put this all together. Write down your priorities. Again, what do you want to pursue in life? Marriage, kids, it's college, house or apartment, retirement, um, and even leaving money to your heirs if that's uh, your issue. And then you put a dollar level next to each of those. A house in California is almost a million dollars. A house in Texas, $350,000. I don't, I guess I don't want to live in Texas. <laughs> retirement's too hot, right? Uh, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Texas can be a good retirement state as Florida and Arizona are as well because of the sunshine. So number two, after you've set your priorities, is you need to make a budget. You need to, between now and the time you retire, you need to save 15% of your income. Maybe in your 20s, 5%, 30s, 10 to 15, 12%. But you need to be working slowly to save 15% of every paycheck. You need housing, you need food, you need vacations, 
you have to work on a budget, right? Um, I use uh, something called eMoney that does a great job of budgeting. You can find personal finance has a nice budgeting tool. Um, it's important for me to do it online because I used to do it in my 20s on the like in my head and on the back of a uh, checkbook. And that's not quite real, if you know what I'm saying. A couple thoughts on that is be honest with your budget. I think that helps. Um, track your money. Rocket Money does a nice, nice job of it. That's, I think, three bucks a month if you want to get a nice feature. It's less than that. Um, money tracking, my spending plan. They're all night, daily worth. They're all nice budgeting online tools. They're going to link into your checking account or your bank account and your credit cards. If you want them to, they'll do the work for you. If you want to do it on your own, you can. I don't recommend that. But very rarely in life did I break my budget and say, okay, I'm going to put this month's groceries or this month's rent on a, on a credit card. Very, very rarely. In my 20s, the thing that I blew was I spent too much money of my budget on trying to get a woman to love me. So I would do things like, hey, let's go to Miami for the weekend. Let's get front row tickets at a concert. Stupid. In hindsight, if I had saved that money, I'd be a little bit wealthier today. So making a budget and setting priorities are your first two goals. It takes a little bit of time when you use those online tools, which I just brought up. You can hit best budgeting websites. Google it. You'll find something. It takes a little bit of time to get it working, but once it's working, you'll go, man, I spend a lot on alcohol, or man, I spend a lot on groceries, or man, I spend a lot on entertainment. You have to save 15% so that you can fund age 60 to 100. And between 20 and 60, you got to save some extra money so you can get those things that you want. A house, kids' college, kids, a spouse. Um, it's that simple. Lesson three, I do all my banking online. That's not totally true. I have Bank of America, but last time I was in Bank of America, I was like, almost pre-COVID. I think I've been once or twice since COVID, which basically tells you they're all online anyway. So I'm not afraid to bank online. Um, my money market account is at Flourish, F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H.com. Um, using online banks to get yields of 3 4 5%, um, I, I find that great for my emergency money. Fantastic for my emergency money. And then I do bank locally, I think I said, with a Bank of America. You can use Wells Fargo. You can use a credit union, anyone you feel comfortable with. My thought is um, it's kind of nice to have someone local just in case you need to get a deposit a $20,000 check and you want to get it done kind of quickly. They don't happen often. In fact, I write more $20,000 checks than I get, you know. So number four on the lessons would be learn the basics of investing. Now that we've got you going in the right direction with um, the basics, setting priorities, making a budget, um, getting an online bank. Um, I look at my banking apps all the time at lunch. I don't look at them. You know, I, I look to like, make sure the money's there. I'm looking to make sure that I'm paying all my bills. All my credit cards are online. Um, so I pay them instantly that way. I automate them to set my credit cards to be paid off by my bank. I don't have to think about it. Never a late payment once. The fourth one is the basics of investing. Um, everything costs more. 
when I was in soda, Coke's Coca Cola's cost twenty five cents. Now they're two plus dollars at a vending machine. Rents. I remember renting an apartment with three rooms for eight hundred dollars, and I subletted to the other two rooms. Vacations cost more. Cars cost more. My first car was probably twenty thousand dollars, twenty five thousand, and now the entry level car is around forty five fifty. So everyone costs more, so you have to invest. You can't live in like, oh, I'm just going to keep my money in cash in my 20s and 30s and 40s because everything costs more in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. You have to meet inflation. Inflation historically averages 2 to 4%. We learned that from the Fed. They wanted it 2%, right? So historically, you get 10% from stocks, 6% from bonds, 5% from real estate. But real estate's not really liquid, so you can't say, oh, I'm going to use it as a piggy bank. So you have to put money into stocks and bonds while you're working. Hopefully 15% goes towards retirement, but hopefully you get another 5% going in towards, you know, a house down payment. And in 10 years from now, putting a hundred dollars a month, then you're going to be like, Whoa, I've saved up quite a bit of money. So you got to get the basics of investing. Basic investing beats inflation. Historically, inflation is two to 4%. Historically, stocks are at 10%. Until you turn 50, I personally won't haven't owned any bonds. Um, I just it's not my thing. If interest rates are four percent, three percent, two percent, I'd rather expose my risk to investing in dollars. So those are the first four lessons of the basics that you need to know. I'll fly through a couple more. We'll get through twenty total, I promise. Thanks for listening. If you ever need a CFP i.e. when you have wealth drop me an email rob at robblackshow.com i can get you a complimentary portfolio review a financial situation update drop me an email rob at robblackshow.com brought to you by ep wealth this is the rob black show i'm doing one of those money 101 shows this is the 20 most basic things you need to know to live a financial life number one was setting priorities Writing down things like what's you gonna invest, what are you gonna pay for in your life? A spouse, co living, having kids together, college for the kids, a house, a retirement. Those are the things you're gonna pay for. Setting priorities, you have to write them down. Making a budget to fund all of those, saving fifteen percent of your salary for the last part retirement. Because from age sixty to one hundred, you don't earn money. From age twenty to sixty, you do. Number three was get online, start banking. Start linking everything online with your accounts. I'll teach my kids to do that. When I got, uh, so when I settled down, my spouse didn't do that. She didn't do it online. She missed a couple, um, like electricity payments, PG&E kind of things. And I didn't get angry. I just took over and I, I stopped sharing that with her. Number four is, you know, stocks beat bonds, bonds beat real estate. All three of them beat. Inflation, inflation averages two to four percent. Stocks average ten percent historically, on six percent, and um, real estate four percent. I'm okay with all those numbers and saying, you know, hey, maybe real estate sometimes can be around six percent. Maybe stocks can be around fifteen percent. Number five on lessons. So I, I overweight stocks until I turn 50. And then as I get 50, hit 50, you start thinking like, I need to start having some income from all these assets that I've accumulated for 30 years for the next 30 years in retirement. 
Number five on the lessons is the best way to save for retirement is in that 401k, the 403b, the 457, a Roth IRA or IRA, which is an individual retirement account. A Roth IRA is a named after Senator Roth um, and the IRA. You pay taxes now. You invest in a Roth IRA as a vehicle. You say, I want to own Microsoft and NVIDIA and the S&P 500, and you put that in that vehicle. So the vehicles that are going to get you to retirement are 401ks through your work, 403bs through your nonprofit job, 457s if you're like a teacher. And if you have the ability to invest in an IRA, individual retirement account, or a Roth IRA on top of those, do it. That's going to create your nest egg for you. You don't pay any federal taxes in any of the, well, you do in the Roth, but you don't pay federal taxes in all of their standard accounts of retirement, 401k, 403b, 457, IRA. Um, it grows tax deferred. It, it You're avoiding paying taxes in your high income years. It's really a tax efficient way of investing. And then later in life, you pay taxes, except for the Roth. The Roth, you pay taxes now. And later, when you take the money out of Roth, you don't. I'm probably lowering that explanation, but you get the idea. Lesson number six is um, investing in a 401k, a 403b, a 457. You can invest in mutual funds if you want. I kind of feel that they're a little bit old man kind of style. Like that's so 1980s, 1990s to invest in mutual funds. I prefer exchange-traded funds. They're lower costs. But when you invest in a 401k, a 403b, a 457 on IRA, I think you want a little small cap, a little mid cap, a little large cap. I look at it as a tic-tac-toe board with small, middle, large going on the up axis. And then you add growth, growth and income, and income on the y-axis going left to right. So you do use the math from high school. So you want to own large cap growth, large cap value. You want to own mid cap growth, mid cap value. You want to own small cap growth, small cap value. Then you want to add an international fund in there. And you want to add like an income fund, like a real estate investment trust. So your assets are going to be large cap growth value. Mid-cap growth value, small-cap growth value. You can get a blended fund like a growth and income. That's fine. Those are six assets right there. Then you want to own an international um, mutual fund or exchange-traded fund. That's your seventh. And then a real estate investment trust, your eighth. So if you put assets into those eight categories and you do it over slow time and you look out for commissions, you look out for fees, i.e. doing it through ETS, exchange-traded funds, you're going to come out with a lot of money in 20 years, 30 years. Those are your investing choices that go inside your investing vehicles. Lesson five was lesson vehicles. Your 401k, your 403b, your 457, your IRA, your Roth IRA. Your assets that go into those are exchange-traded funds or index funds. I don't want you using mutual funds. I don't want you using individual stocks until you have $100,000. Then you can buy one individual stock. That's my advice. So um, I think that closes up lesson six. Lesson seven is in investing in individual stocks. After you've got $100,000 in your 401k, your 403b, your 457, your IRA or your Roth IRA, 
um, it's okay to go out there and buy one stock like a McDonald's, like a Microsoft, like a Google, something you know has been around and earned money for a long time. You can go with the, the Mega Cap 7, you know, the Apple, the Google Alphabet, Microsoft, the NVIDIAs. You can certainly do that if that's your thing. Um, but I want you to have that cushion of $100,000 in ETFs, exchange-traded funds, or indexes, because that's going to work for you in good years, and you know it's going to protect you in bad years. Um, it's not going to protect you from it going to you know down 10 15 20 percent because that happens but it's going to protect you from going to zero it's going to protect you from going down 50 percent more often than not history repeats itself when it comes to investing parameters so if you do want to like for instance i have no problem i wrote this these notes that i'm taking a look off now 25 years ago and on that list was mcdonald's and visa and if i had owned mcdonald's and visa for the last 20 25 years we would have done well so, and I've added new names like Microsoft and, you know, I have no problems with Apple. Now, here's the big thing on the big Magnificent 7. If you can buy them when they're 20% down, I'm comfortable with that. If you buy them at 52-week highs, I'm not comfortable. So when there's a bad year and you see Amazon and Alphabet and Microsoft and Apple, um, when you see some of your favorite names get hit, I am okay accumulating them. If that makes any sense at all. Um, I want 20% off, though, to take my first position in these big names. And Meta, if it's trading at a 20 PE, I'm okay with that. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll put my toe in that water. So most of your 401k, your 403 would be 457 in less than six should be put in into an exchange traded fund that covers large cap, mid cap, small cap, growth and value, international stocks and um, real estate investment trusts. And if you want to do even splits between all of them, I'm fine with that. If you want to be more aggressive, you can say, I'm going to put it in more small and mid cap, especially after years where small and mid cap have been beaten up. If you want to be more safe, you can put it in large cap. I get it. Less than seven is individual stocks. Don't go with a company you've never heard of. Don't go with a company that's curing cancer. Don't go with a company that's speeding up the internet. Go with a McDonald's, Visa, a Microsoft, an Alphabet, an Apple. But try to get them 20% off to lower your risk profile. Coming up, more of the top 20 lessons you need to know to succeed financially in life. Need a referral? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. One of the things I love about investing is there's so many things you can invest in, and that makes it fun. It makes it challenging. It makes me want to wake up every morning and do research, read the New York Times, read the Wall Street Journal, read the research reports from Standard Boers. Um, read through briefing.com, read through Wall Street analyst calls. I love it. Uh, for instance, you could buy Domino's pizza. And I'm okay with that. You don't, not everything you buy has to be right. Now, it has to make money. And over time, that'll, that's a good recipe for making right decisions. But if you eat a lot of pizza, Pizza, a lot of people eat when the economy is bad. So it's kind of a play on a bad economy. 
Let's play on a good economy. Pizza is a lot of calories for very little money. And as we get hit with grocery inflation, people lean that way. So enjoy investing, is my opinion. So we've gone through seven things on the financial needs you have to have. Setting priorities, kids, college, getting married, house, retirement, things you have to fund, things that cost money. Retirement is a totally different one. That's from age 60 to 100 that you have to live off. From age 20 to 60, I don't care if you live in a cardboard box. That's fine by me. If you want to live in the back of a van and park it in the parking lot of your company you work for, that's fine. Because you're earning money. That's your best ability from age 20 to 60. From 60 to 100, you don't get the same chances. You need a budget. 15% of your salary has to go into retirement. And then you need to fund those um, goals that you set out for. You need to learn how to bank online because everything's online. And it makes paying your bills easier and it makes budgeting easier. Um, stocks beat bonds, bonds beat real estate, real estate beats inflation. You need to beat inflation. That's why you need to set aside some extra money through life to get you from age 60 to 100. 401ks, 403bs, 457s are the best investment vehicles, including IRAs and Roth IRAs. And large cap, mid cap, small cap, growth and income those are the assets that you need to accumulate. If you listen to the show a couple of times, you'll get it. Um, talking individual stocks, don't go for a company that's solving like something you can't understand, like cancer. Don't go for a stock that you've never even seen, like maybe um, a company that does, you know, fights malware or fights piracy. Or, you know, if you don't have any, if you can't conceptualize it, if you can't draw it with a crown, don't do it. You're, you're getting in over your head. Investing in bonds, these are government IOUs. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm considering things like municipal bonds. Those are tied towards your local government. Um, you can get federal government bonds where you're not paying income taxes. Municipal bonds where you're not paying state income. Um, I love bonds. When I'm 55 plus, and I have enough assets, large cap, mid cap, small cap stocks, growth and income stocks, ETFs. I'm okay with like a mini to be 10% of my income portfolio. I prefer high quality corporate names or municipal bonds for obvious reasons. Um, bonds are IOUs. You lend your money to the city of Palo Alto to build roads and the city of Palo Alto says, we're going to give you 3% back and you don't pay income tax on that 3%. Same thing with the federal government. Um, well, with federal government, you are going to pay some income taxes. It's the issue, you know? So you have to look at real rate of returns. It's a little bit trickier there. Buying a home is lesson number nine. It is at least a five-year commitment. It is not the best investment you'll ever make. It's the best liability you'll have over time. If you lose your job and you have a mortgage payment, you can probably get by after two months if you have emergency funds. But if you don't, after two or three months of losing your job, of not having a job, you're going to start getting notices. You're late on paying your credit cards. You're late on paying your car payment. You're late on paying your home, and they'll take it away. A home is a liability. It is something you have to service the debt I would prefer a single family home over a condo or a townhouse. 
unless you're talking about a condo or townhouse in a luxury area. A luxury area in this case could be defined as really close to a lot of jobs, really close to a college, really close to luxury beaches. Um, I'm not a fan of condos and townhouses, especially if they have homeowners fees. I'm a fan of single family homes. That's what most people want. No more than 35% of your take home pay should ever go into your mortgage or rent. Single family home is going back to that. They can be sold to 80% of potential buyers down the road, whereas condos and townhouses tend to appeal to people in their 20s, sometimes in their 30s. But not usually you're like, oh man, I'm 40 years old and I really want a condo. Now, again, I'm not speaking for everyone there. 35% of your income, that's the most you should put into a home. If you do 28, 30%, you're going to be better off. Less than 10 is controlled debt. Um, I had credit card debt in college. I'm ashamed of it. Um, I wasn't able to pay it. I took on a bigger obligation, a bigger debt load than I could service because I was in college. Uh, pay off all debt over 8%. All debt over 8 And I'm saying pay off all debt over 8%. Don't put money into a 401k. Don't put money in a 403. Don't put money in a 437. If you got debt over 8%, pay it off. Because it goes back into stocks make 10% historically. Plus some dividends. Bonds make 6%. Real estate makes 4 to 6%. When debt's at 8%, that, that's you line that up one first. The only debt that I carried to the end is mortgage debt. Because when you get it at 25 3.5%, that's great. It's tax-advantaged. And student loan debt, if you have a degree that's in math or science. If not, I think you should pay for it in cash. Because there's not a lot of jobs for history majors that are going to pay off you know, $100,000 in school loans in a timely manner. Never prepay your mortgage. I've never once sent in an extra payment. Homes go up or down in value regardless. And liabilities on the bank of a big bad wolf comes to your house and blows it down or a hurricane or an earthquake. I don't prepay my mortgage debt. Lesson 11, saving for college. Um, my mom said, you know, be careful who you fall in love with because you might make a baby. She's pretty simple, but she's pretty right on track if you know what I'm saying. Um, and I think if you bring a kid into this world, you should help them get through high school years and then help them finance college or junior college. Um, help them with a career path. I'm okay if your kid wants to be a firefighter or a police officer. Um, those are great pension jobs that don't necessarily require a, high, a college education. I'm okay if your kid wants to become a certified financial planner um, and go to college. I'm okay if your kid wants to, you know, I'm okay with all that. If my kid wants to be a truck driver, I'll tell you what, truck drivers are paying $125,000 a year right now. If you're a UPS truck driver, up to $170,000 in pay and benefits. I'd rather them do that in my head than, and I hate to say this, go off and be a poetry degree. Poets don't make big money. Poets don't make enough to live off of. More often than not. Do you see what I'm saying? There's liberal arts degrees that I'm like, why do we even have these? I know it's important to go to college for four years and learn how to be an adult. I know that. And, you know, if you're up math or science inclined, I, I find something that you can do <clears throat> that has an early retirement pension or a, 
again, I'm not, if my kid wants to be a welder, they're making well over six figures now. Blue collar is actually more highly paid out of college now than white collar. Select blue collar. Let me correct that. Um, I've got a friend who went into mapping for governments. So she works at a, you know, a city like a San Jose helps do, does mapping and zoning. And after 25 years, she gets a big fat pension and she can go on to a second career. That's okay. Um, so saving for college is a, a lesson. Um, there's a good website called savingforcollege.com. I said that 25 years ago. I could still say that today. Good website. Um, I have 529 plans for my kids, and I feel very comfortable about how much money is in them. If they decide to go to college, they can use it. And if not, then I could use it for college in my 60s and 70s. And uh, we can figure out how to use that money. Even if we have to pay the penalties for them not going to college, it was still a good long-term idea. Because the money grows tax-deferred, a lot like a 401k, and it comes out tax-free to use it on college expenses or higher education expenses. Um, lesson 12 is asset allocation. The single most important thing an investor can do is practice asset allocation. Stocks, bonds, and real estate, they all work over time. I prefer you buy real estate via, via buying a REIT, a real estate investment trust. Um, that gets you property. Um, I own real estate investment trusts across America. I own office property in New York and Chicago and LA. I own apartment REITs. I like, I'm okay owning real estate through publicly traded vehicles. I do not like private REITs and I do not like, um, in my twenties, I, I bought a home that I was scared of buying. It did. Okay. In my thirties, same thing. In my forties, same thing. In my fifties, same thing. I'll probably buy a home in my sixties and I'll probably be scared. Um, but you can buy real estate by buying a real estate investment trust. I'm okay with that. Stocks, bonds, and real estate all work over time. Don't try to be the jerk who's like, oh, real estate's better than stocks, or stocks are better than real estate, or digital currencies are better than mall. Hire financial help when you're wealthy. When I turned 50, I started using a certified financial planner. Before that, I was a wealth accumulator. Seek professionals with that designation, CFP, Certified Financial Planner. For my taxes, because I own real estate in multiple states, I use a certified public accountant. Hire professionals. If you're wealthy, don't be cheap. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going over the 20 basic financial needs, kind of financial literacy, if you will. I've hit everything from setting priorities, making a budget, the basics of online banking and online finances. I've hit your 401k, your 403b, your 457 qualified retirement vehicles. I've hit the assets that you can put into them. 401ks, 403bs, 457s, like small cap, mid cap, large cap, growth and value. High quality income, international Real estate investment trusts. I said, when you do individual stocks, consider things like Visa and McDonald's, Microsoft and Apple. If you can never get them in a bad year when they're down 20%, that takes a lot of risk out of your life. I would buy a high quality blue chip stock if it's down 10 to 40%. 40 is better. Those years where it's awful, it's good to have cash. I'm okay with bonds later in life. 
not necessarily earlier in life. Buying a home, no more than 35% of your income, preferably 28%. I bought a home in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So I bought four or five homes, obviously. And every time I've done well, because I've held on for a long time, and I was able to pay the payment. Controlling debt super important. Um, I have no mortgage debt. No, no. I have no credit card debt. I've got mortgage debt, a low cost of debt, credit card debt, a high cost of debt. It's that simple. Saving for college. Once you have a kid, a 529 plan is a great way to go. Use savingforcollege.com for more information. When you're wealthy, consider hiring a CFP. Um, a CFP for me does my taxes, which goes into my financial plan. He does my estate planning, which goes into my financial plan. The portfolio management is the easiest part of it. Um, and that's when you're wealthy, you don't want to lose in a down year. So you start cutting your risk. But they can help your business planning. They can help your Medicare planning. They can help your Social Security planning. They can help get you access into individual uh, private equity, private debt, private real estate. A good CFP firm like EP Wealth goes a long way once you're wealthy. Again, you should be wealthy somewhere around 55, where you should have over $500,000 or more to invest. Contact me if you need a referral to a financial planner. When buying a car, new cars are for wealthy people. Um, Two-year-old vehicles are for people who have not hit that $500,000. I didn't always do that, but anytime I bought a new car, it was a horrible financial decision. And I should have had, I should have had like a scarlet letter F on my forehead for financial decision, right? Um, I used to, in my 20s, drive a Toyota Tercel. Uh, because at age 19 or 20, someone gave me one and she said, you know, uh, drive it till it dies and it's free. So I did and it, it lasted into my almost thirties and it was a tank. It had no air conditioning. It was embarrassing to take on dates, but I always had more cash than my friends cause I didn't have a new car payment uh, for the record. I like Toyotas. They seem to last a long time and their maintenance is cheaper than other vehicles. It feels like you probably are smarter than that on me of note. Um, lesson 15 is health insurance. Um, a three day stay in the hospital is going to cost you 25 to $50,000. Um, that can come from a car accident that can come from an, a burst appendix. It can come from having a baby. It can come from, you know, cancer. You have to have healthcare insurance in my opinion. Now that you can get into health savings accounts where you're saying, I'm going to go with the, the highest deductible. And then you start saving for yourself when you're young um, instead of giving it to the insurance company saying, okay, I'm going to use a low deductible. I like high deductibles when you're young. I'm okay with that because you're probably not going to get sick. Now, again, if it runs in your family, shoot me down on that one. Number 16 lesson is home insurance. Um, I'm afraid of a kid coming to my home and falling on a crack and breaking his face. And his parents suing me. I'm afraid of a lawyer coming over to my house and walking into a door that was stuck and suing me. I'm afraid of a, my dog who's never bitten anyone ever, who has a soft mouth, i.e. she can pick up eggs. I'm afraid of my dog biting a kid who's just a nasty, rotten kid and my dog could smell it, you know, and then getting sued. Home insurance is super important. It's costly. It's confusing. It's unrewarding. But to ensure what you can't afford to lose, can't afford to lose your health. Already talked about that. Can't afford to lose your home. 
your life from age 20 to 60, the most important thing you have is your ability to earn income. The only insurance, life insurance I've ever had is term life. Variable life sucks because you're buying both uh, investments and you're buying insurance. So you're paying fees on the insurance. You're paying fees on the management of the uh, portfolio. Only fools buy variable life and whole life. Yeah, I can make a case for whole life. No, I can't. See? Um, if you're wealthy and you have $6 million that you want to give to charity, you can buy a whole life policy, but you have that charity buy it for you. And if you die, they give $6 million life insurance to your family and they take $6 million of your stocks. <laughs> the only life insurance I'll ever buy is term life. And I'll get it till I'm 60. Um, and it replaces my income. Insurance afford, insurance covers what you can't afford to lose. From age 20 to 60, I can't afford to lose my ability to earn income. From age 60 to 100, if I've done everything that I've done through lessons 1 through 16, I've got enough assets to pass on to my, my heirs. They don't need me anymore. Lesson 18 is disability insurance. Make sure you have this. Your company probably offers it to you in your, in your HR benefits. Uh, you're more likely to become disabled from age 20 to 60 and not be able to work. And if you can't work, you can't pay your mortgage. If you can't work, you can't pay your car payment. If you can't work, you can't fund your retirement goals. Disability insurance is almost impossible to be oversold. It covers 60% of your income, sometimes a little more until retirement age. I'm more likely to get hit by a car and lose my ability to work with bad back, or maybe my face gets disfigured, or maybe my legs get broken and I'm in a wheelchair. Disability insurance covers your ability to work in a worst case scenario um, where you don't die because then life insurance is going to cover it. Number 19 is auto insurance. Don't go cheap on it. One of my big fears is we're in a car of attorneys. I'd be screwed. And number 20 lesson is estate planning. Start thinking about getting a trust if you own a home in California. Start thinking about your heirs, your children. Start thinking about, you know, like with my children, they get money at age 25, 35, and 45. And it always stays in their name. So if they get married and divorced, the spouse doesn't get it. They get it. State planning is super important. Um, don't be a jerk and mess up your kids' lives. I'm Rob Black. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.